Hey y'all, and welcome back to another episode of Southern Gal Reads. My name is Wheezy, and today's episode is my 2020 year-end wrap-up slash top 14. I know I've continually said that I can't believe what a year this has been, but it's true every time I say it. Between the pandemic and the mass loss of life, the financial struggles people have and are still facing, and the absolute clusterfuck that was the 2020 U.S. election, I think it's safe to say that if you survived to see the end of the year, that's a blessing. And no matter what has happened, I do feel blessed to still be here, to be able to share my thoughts on books with you, and I'm glad that you're still here too. 2020 was not my best reading year, but it also wasn't my worst. Uh, Looking back at my Goodreads challenges from past years, (laughs) I really peaked in 2016 when I read 175 books. Uh, I still have no idea how I managed to read that many other than that was my first year really being in the book community and I felt this tremendous pressure to keep reading past the point of enjoyment. Uh, I sacrificed a lot, like my art, in order to keep up with the book community and I'll probably never read that many books ever again in a year. I think that was the year a lot of us got burned out on reading an exceedingly high number of books. Having said that, 2020 was better than last year reading-wise. Last year, my dad had his leg amputated. I've talked about that, and it stole a huge chunk of my year because I was traveling between work and home in his rehab facility for a few months, Um, and I only read 63 books in 2019. And I know that this is all really subjective. 63 books is a whole lot of books to some people and a drop in the bucket to others. But it was really demoralizing to me because I'm used to reading so many books. So I'm glad I hit my 100 book goal for 2020. In 2020, I read 102 books. That equaled out to 22,871 pages for an average of 224 pages per book. I read a lot of little novellas in 2020. um, And author-wise, I read 42 new authors and 25 authors that I've already read something by. Out of those 102 books, I gave 5 stars to 35 books, 4 stars to 29 books, 3 stars to 23 books, and 2 stars to 12 books. I didn't give any 1 star ratings, and I only DNF'd 3 books, which were shockingly 2 of my most anticipated 2020 reads. That's an average rating of 3.9 stars per book. I feel like this is the year I sort of hit my stride in recognizing what books I really like, and that's why my five-star ratings were so high, like the highest I've ever given. I usually use my five stars to make my favorites of the year, but because I had so many of them, I decided to just make a top 14, which is a really random number, 
but uh, this was originally a top 15 list, but right before I started recording, I found out that one of the authors on this list basically said that Twitter and bloggers and booktubers don't sell books, and if that's how he feels, then I don't particularly care about talking about his book. Um, These are not in any particular order, and some of them aren't even five-star reads. Most of them are five and four, and I think a few might have been three. I made this list not based on rating or how necessarily perfect the story and writing were, but more along the lines of how they stuck with me. Like, if I read the book months ago and I'm still thinking about it, then in my opinion, that's a good book, and it doesn't matter how I rated it at the time and that's how I decided to make my top 15 list of this year. Night of the Mannequins by Stephen Graham Jones was one of the first books that really just freaked me out um, in 2020 and it's honestly what started my obsession with Jones's writing. Night of the Mannequins is about a group of teen friends who prank their friend with a mannequin at their job, and the mannequin seemingly just gets up and walks away. One by one, the kids start to die, and it's up to Sawyer to save his friends from their old mannequin pal, aptly named Manny. This was an edgy, psychological mindfuck that gave classic horror vibes in the absolute best way. I've said this before, but Stephen Graham Jones is just as good, if not better, than Stephen King, and you don't have to deal with all the racism. If you follow my Twitter, you know Wilder Girls was one of my favorite 2019 books, and the author, Rory Power, published her sophomore book, Burn Our Bodies Down, this year. And I knew it was going to be an instant favorite. Burn Our Bodies Down follows Margot, a teen girl who lives with her wildly paranoid and reclusive mother. Margot ends up running away to the small town her mom grew up in because she wants to meet her estranged grandmother. And right away, Margot starts to realize that there is absolutely nothing normal about her grandmother or the family farm. This was a great folk horror with an interesting spin on how the farming industry pumps things into the ground that can't be undone. I really can't wait to see what Rory does next. She is absolutely talented. My first episode was actually about these next two books, Clown in a Cornfield by Adam Caesar. Uh, is one of my strange picks because technically I didn't find the writing that great and I the characters just didn't feel that fleshed out but the story itself as a whole was pretty incredible if for nothing else than just the sheer amount of gore Adam was able to fit into a single book I used to think nothing would beat uh, There's Someone Inside Your House by Stephanie Perkins because I believe she said that somebody dies in her book like every 10 to 15 pages, but Adam Caesar was really like, hold my beer, I got this, and then just killed literally everyone. 
The other book um, that I talked about in my first episode was Home Before Dark by Riley Sager. I have loved all of Sager's books, and this one really stuck with me for (laughs) the single scene of ceiling snakes. Uh, There's literally nothing more terrifying to me than that. If you'd like to hear more about my thoughts on either of these books, you can check out episode one of the podcast. Also by Riley Saker was The Last Time I Lied. This book had everything I love in a thriller. Um, There's a remote location, unreliable narrators, and a cast of characters that all have good reason to be the murderer. Um, This one had such intense imagery. You know, think about like a summer camp in the middle of the woods run by eccentric rich people who care more about their reputations than anything else on earth and add in missing girls and frenemies and a deep dark lake. It's not hard to see what pulled me in with this one, and the ending really was perfect. The next two books are by the same author. Um, I talked about Into the Drowning Deep by Mary Grant, aka Sean Ann McGuire, in episode two. This was the Spooky Bitches Book Club's first book, and I really enjoyed it. I also read and loved Middle Game, which, listen, is such a good book, but it's also right on the cusp of being too smart for me. Um, It's hilarious because I looked up my Goodreads review for it, and all I said was, have y'all ever loved a book, but hated a book, but loved a book? Because same. And I think that sums up my feelings really well. All of McGuire's books are so smartly and thoughtfully written, and I cannot wait for the sequel, Season Fears, to come out, which I think it comes out in 2022. I had psyched myself out and thought it was this year, only to be disappointed. Episode 5 was all about Ninth House by Lee Bardugo, and I stand by everything I said in that review. I've noticed that sometimes I'll high-rate a book after reading it, but later on feel kind of like meh about the book, but my feelings on this one hasn't changed a bit. I love Alex and Darlington, and I'm so excited for this sequel, even though we've gotten absolutely no new news on it. Um, Also, please, God, let Darlington be safe. A Latsoe by Darcy Little Badger was my most anticipated release of the year. I told myself that as long as I got to read this one, I'd be fine. And I'm happy to say that I did get to read it. And I loved every minute of it. Uh, Alatsoe is about an indigenous asexual teen who can raise the ghosts of dead animals. Uh, After her cousin is found dead in his car, Ellie feels like she has to find out who murdered him. I love this story so much because it had strong friendships and strong family bonds, something I feel we end up missing in a lot of indigenous literature in favor of showcasing poverty and struggle 
which is a whole different conversation about indigenous literature and the white gaze of publishing. If you decide to read one more 2020 release, please let it be a Latsoe. Speaking of indigenous books, I read Empire of Wild by Cherie Demolon. Um, I was actually sent a copy of this one by the publisher, William Morrow. I loved this book. I thought it was super well-paced, and I enjoyed the theme of how religion and the Christian church has been weaponized against indigenous people for literal centuries. Um, This book is about a woman whose husband has disappeared, and a year later she sees him at a tent revival as the new charismatic preacher, and he has no idea who she is or who he was before, and it's up to Joan to save her husband. Cemetery Boys is Aidan Thomas's debut novel. I had heard so much buzz about this one that I almost didn't read it because I was afraid that it was overhyped. Uh, surprisingly, this book deserved every praise it got. Cemetery Boys is about a trans Latinx teen who accidentally summons the ghost of a murdered classmate while trying to find out what happened to his cousin. Julian, our ghost, provided a lot of comic relief to a book that was fraught with issues of homophobia, teen homelessness, and racism. Uh, If you'd like to hear more of my thoughts on this book, I discussed it in episode two. I just talked about the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix in episode 11, and this book was so fun, but also really heartbreaking at times. The Southern Book Club follows a group of ladies who have a true crime book club, and this new person moves into the neighborhood, and they think he's a vampire. Um, Again, I talk more extensively about this book in episode 11, if you want to check that out. Wild Beauty by Anna Marie McLemore for the fourth time while I was on vacation in October and it doesn't matter how many times I read it it always manages to absolutely knock me flat this is my favorite McLemore book and it follows a family of women who can make flowers grow from their hands this has mystery and love and magic and I can't imagine there will ever come a time when I am not head over heels in love with this book. The last book I want to talk about in my top 14 of 2020 is Ghostwood Song by Erica Waters. I dedicated an entire episode to this one, which was episode 8, and honestly, I have not been able to stop thinking about this book since I read it. There's bluegrass and haunted fiddles, queer girls, and soft boys, and the whole atmosphere of the book is just lonesome. If you want to know more about this book and my thoughts on it, please check out episode 8. And please read this book. And if you are into audiobooks, this audiobook is damn near perfect. Um, I can't remember the name of the narrator, but if... 
that's not her real accent, then she obviously was Southern in a past life because she nails it. It's perfect. And that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope y'all will come back real soon for another episode of Southern Gal Reads.